You want to see some heavy stuff? We're going to be here. Welcome to That Brit Rest TV Show. Once again, it's a new year, 2023. And once again, it's our very own Dan Belinka. Kieran. <laughs> well, Kieran. Hello. New year, same old shit. <laughs> yeah, same shit, different year. Yeah. How you been, mate? I'm all right. I'm not so bad. Uh, survived Christmas, survived New Year. Um, survived going back to work. Can still remember how to do my job. It's all good. Great, great stuff, mate. Um, so what we're going to do today, listeners, is episode eight and episode nine of the one and only UWA Wrestling Rampage. Um, your lyric of the week is step inside the ring, I'll stomp you to your soul. <laughs> step inside the ring. I'll that is legitimately one of the lyrics. Step inside from the, the ring, from... I'll stomp into your soul. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe when we're done with this whole thing, <laughs> I should take all the episodes of UWA Wrestling Rampage and cut a video to the uh, I nearly called FWA Rampage, AEW Rampage theme music. You want some of the heavy stuff? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, talking of the voiceover for you, want some heavy stuff? Uh, we have a recap of the Pasty Boys. Oh no, <laughs> it's the Death Squad. Offering anyone a chance at the tin belts. Um, we have the Doug, Stevie Knight and um, Kerry Cabrero triple uh, trouble match to come. Mm-hmm. And then we go to uh, Dan Belinka in the crime van. Yes. Who introduces us uh, to the show. And it's, uh, it's opening up, Kieran, with a tag team match, holla holla player player, mm-hmm. for, the, um, for the Death Squad's um, homemade belts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth Duke Lynch. Elizabeth Duke Lynch. <laughs> um, so yeah, the Death Squad. It's um, Iron Duke Lynch and uh, who's what's the other called? Mickey. Mick- he he's the Hammer, Mad Mark Myers. However, Hammer. I realised watching these two episodes, you know how I've been calling him Mike Reasonable because he looked Mike a little Reason- bit like Mike Awesome. Yeah, he actually now looks to me like a thin Festus with more hair. A little bit, yeah. Particularly facially, like there's there's some expressions he pulls on on episode nine where he looks just like it. It's one of those things I can't unsee. He's but he's like generic, generic big wrestler. But he do, he doesn't do any mind skills. He leaves that to old uh, Iron Duke Lynch, who I think is um a terrible promo. Pro- <laughs> he's not a bad promo for 99 in Brit Rest. <laughs> oh yeah, but that's a hell of a curve to grade on. <laughs> Well, yeah, he's not exactly Dusty Rhodes in his prime. Is no, he? he's not. Well, apart from around the middle, yeah. <laughs> but I will, I will say, and mm. I think I said it last time, the Death Squad are over in Blackpool. Somehow, yeah, they get chance in other matches as well. The chant is, "You'll never beat the Death Squad," and yeah. for some reason, like people are chanting it. They must have done something in like the um, in between the breaks and what have you. Or like, like in the local press in the build up to the show. Like maybe they were the guys they sent 
like around to all like the Blackpool local radio and stuff to do to do the press. I don't know, but for some reason they're over. They look like a couple of vagrants who go in Markel is in Blackpool as well. <laughs> it's what it's the local cabaret club in uh I in see. Uh, I've only yeah. ever been to Blackpool by mistake. How, how was that, Kieran? <laughs> uh, it was a it was an FWA show in Morecambe, and we took a wrong turning and suddenly realised we were we'd come off the motorway. It's either too, uh, yeah, come off the motorway too early, and we're on the way to Blackpool. Uh, and John Atkins, the ring announcer, was asleep in the back, and the plan was we were going to drive up to Blackpool Tower and tell him we'd accidentally gone to Paris. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, as we were discussing this plan, he woke up, so we decided not to and just carried on to turn around and went back to the venue. Well, the Death Squad's opponents now. Now, we wondered who the bad boys were. We fought <laughs> yes, we it Will, Will Coolin and Martin Stone. Yes, we did. <laughs> but sadly, it wasn't Will Coolin uh, with a bottle of rum and uh, Martin Stone. It was. Now, Blondie Barrett wearing a, a Confederate flag number. Yeah, I called him Blondie Briscoe. Blondie Briscoe. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't know if there was many racist pubs in um, Blondie Barrett's hometown. I remember, I remember stopping in um, Northampton once mm. for um, a trip to Cheltenham races, and they had like a caravan outside with a big fuck off Confederate flag over the top of the uh, <laughs> hang, hanging off the ceiling. And then walking into the actual pub itself, and they're all different, like uh, baseball caps, all glued to the top of the, it, it, you know, like uh, you know, like that scene out of American Werewolf in uh, London. <laughs> the old turn around, you're not from round here. <laughs> yeah, that that must be the sort of place uh, Blondie Barrett goes to drink, and uh, it's tag team partner Road Warrior Park. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> The <laughs> the whip the whip yeah what the fuck was this Kieran I don't know like everybody in this match looks like a legally distinct from anybody real generic wrestling action figure from Poundland <laughs> all four of them <laughs> they I, all I, look like I had them as well yeah they're like random creator wrestler like if you just if you just hit random on here comes the pain or something like this is what will pop up and someone just did it four times and made a match out of it this match is fucking terrible <laughs> like nobody knows what they're doing they can't communicate with each other the ring is tiny and these are four of the biggest lads in the company as well like it, it, it doesn't matter who is legal because anybody at any point could just reach out their arms and make a tag from wherever they are in the ring yeah um the <laughs> the only <coughs> note i actually have about the action is uh the whip as uh, commentator Ross Gordon calls him, which I believe is spelled H-W-E-double-P, um, just falls out of the ring when being given an Irish whip. <laughs> he does, yeah. Um, uh, there's terrible camera work. Like the the guy well, they're doing... too close up, aren't they? So so they've got they've got two hard cams. One which is the standard static wide shot of the ring, and the other one which is a shot I like. I used to like to use when I was shooting wrestling, which is like uh, another camera up like by that one, but it's uh, that's zoomed in. And the idea is you have somebody operating it to follow the action around. Yeah. Well, they did all of this apart from having somebody operating it to follow the action around because they frequently cut to this shot and there'll be like two arms just flailing around at the side of the frame <laughs> or like 
somebody just running through it to hit somebody else who's not even in the frame. It's dreadful. Um, he'd, gone, he'd gone for a tea break, the camera operator. He had. Like, I'd for, just leave it on that. It'll be fine. Yeah, for two episodes, apparently, given what I watched this week. Um, uh, uh, Death Squad win, diabolical shite, was all I wrote about this. Um, my notes were the whip um, was finally tagged in. Um, got as God, he looks like shite. Duke Lynch is battering both bad boys. Crowd looking thralls, look at them empty seats. Oh, Holy yeah. Hell. Yeah. It didn't do well at the box office. This one. It, it needed to follow Mega Slam's um, itinerary of uh, just packing venues. There's one particular that you don't see it very often, but what you can see sometimes is when one of the floor cams uh, faces the side that the hard camera is on and there's only people in the front row and the rest of that side is empty. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, I don't know how many this building would hold, but three quarters of them didn't turn up. It's, it's so, so empty. It looks a bit, a big venue though, doesn't it? Uh, Blackpool Ice Arena. Yeah. It looks like from, from what it looks like, it looks very similar to, um, Coventry? You know what, um, FWA run. Coventry yeah, Coventry. Skydome. Yeah, yeah. And that, at, at its capacity, Coventry Skydome would have been about 3,000 or so. When yeah. the FWA ran it, they cut it down to a, about half size and did around 1,800. Yeah. Um, so this is probably in like the 2,000-ish range. Uh, do you think there's 300, 400 people there maybe in a 2,000-seat building? Struggling. It's five-star yeah. wrestling levels, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so it ends up with the whip getting beeled off the top by Lynch, and we have the Sheffield Hammer for the one, two, three. And after the match, uh, Mark the Hammer uh, gives a whip into the whip and uh, also, <laughs> and runs after Blondie Barrett as well. He seems to do this after every match. Yeah, getting, it's his thing. Is that it's the Festus thing? The bell rings and he goes crazy. I'm telling you, it's the same dude. <laughs> He's like a loose cannon, this fella. Yeah, well, I mean, he's he's not that loose. Uh, <laughs> like he seems like perfectly well managed during promos. He wrestles in inverted commas the matches normally. It's just after the bell, he has to get in some extra. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan. Match number two. Now here we mm -hmm. go. So it's the debut of Iron Mike Roberts, who's the number one contender to uh, Phil Powers' uh, TV title. Mm. And his opponent is the one and only Geordie Flash, or mm. Geordie Flash as he's known in uh, UWA. Yeah, Mike Roberts somehow number one contender to the TV title, despite having never wrestled in the UWA before. Uh, and according to what we've been told in previous weeks, has been away from wrestling entirely for a year. So right. somehow I don't know where I if like he won his number one contendership in a raffle or like on a on a scratch card or something. But the thing the thing is that like commentary, I think it's uh, Ross um, mm. who's, who's who's basically putting over him, even though he's like he's been on the show, but he's never even been seen. No, no. Unless he were in the background of one of them scrapyard challenge matches. Yeah, no, he's no, he hasn't been around. He's just this new guy. Um, Jody's had a haircut since we last saw him for the better. Yeah, yes. Yes. Um, uh, this is just a bump exhibition for Jody, really. Like, he takes huge bumps for everything. There's one which is a choke slam that just looks 
devastating. It's like Satnam Singh levels of just like, I'm dropping this ladder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, uh, to be fair, I don't think Mike Roberts is good, but he's not as bad as half the people in this company. He seems perfectly competent as a wrestler. I thought I thought he's like backbreakers and side slams. And I, I know Jody was in there and he's like bump bumping a lot for him. But yeah, they look, you know, brutal. And Jody moves. did his job. He 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 made the big guy look good. He made the big guy look powerful. Uh, there is a two count after a side slam that you could time using the Iron Sheik's WrestleMania 17 entrance because <laughs> that's how long it takes. And even then, Jody doesn't seem sure if he should kick out or not. Yeah. Um, and uh, he misses a 450 splash that uh, Ross Gordon takes 90 degrees off and calls a 360 uh, and eventually succumbs to a tombstone squash, but leagues ahead of that tag match. I, I did I did put a good squash, uh, but one of my notes, and we'll find this out in the next episode, is with um, I Mike Roberts, is, oh no, a nerve hold, which generally means <laughs> Roberts has run out of puff or moves. <laughs> the Yokozuna special. Yeah, just give us five minutes, mate. <laughs> there is, in the WrestleMania 10 match between Lex Luger and Yokozuna, a nerve hold that, no joke, goes eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I think the whole match is 14. <laughs> Bloody hell. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, 15 minutes into the show, and two of the three advertised matches are already over. Yeah, bloody hell! What 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 they're gonna actually show on this show? Well, yeah. Well, we get a promo from Mike Roberts, which is very echoey over the house mic conducted by the ring announcer. Oh, the terror is terrible. Absolutely no, couldn't make out a word of it. Had no idea what he said, and then they they TNA to the back, cut away from it like immediately. I think it went something like this, Kieran. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Match number three now, as we have the returning Leon Murphy and Mr. Red Pleather Pants himself, <laughs> it's the, the one and only uh, Alex Shane versus Just In Time, which is Justin Star and Tim Time. Well, <laughs> it, uh, they didn't give this person a name. Yeah, it's George Castano. George Castano, but yeah, like. Who is this fella? I just, was, put, I just put Timmy timing. Well, yeah. I was going to ask if if Justin Starr is handling the Justin part, does that mean George Castano is actually a time traveller? Um, he looks much thinner than when I knew him five years after this. Uh, also, he's never named by commentary. If you want to know what his name is, you have to read his tights. Yeah, and I, I'm blind as a bat, so I was, I was <laughs> read, read the small print on his, uh, on his, on, on, his, yeah. on his other kecks. Yeah. Um, uh, Alex Shane nearly becomes the second person to fall out of the ring doing a, a standard move. Yeah, he, he saw <laughs> in this where he sort of like runs and then his feet just hang out the bottom. There's I can't remember if he's got somebody got one of the guys in the headlock uh, or if he's in the headlock, but they do the back into the ropes and then push off a headlock, and yeah. one of his feet just disappears off the apron outside. And, this and ring it, is, is too small. He's a big lad as yeah, well. Yeah, he is. I did notice that uh, in his own mind, he gained four inches between this and the FWA. And you know, you know what you can do about that, Kieran. That's two <laughs> things. Nothing can <laughs> <like it. laughs> 
Uh, what other highlights do we have here? Uh, the referee is one of these guys who gently caresses the mat rather than slapping it when he counts. Like he's trying to brush dust off the mat. <laughs> uh, Murphy almost breaks Castano's leg with a jackhammer and George just kicks out anyway. <laughs> um, Ross Gordon. This is a match that shows off just how great British wrestling is. Slow your roll, buddy. <laughs> Don't touch you, right, mate, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, we get what's probably the TV debut of uh, Alex Shane's One Night Stand finisher. Yes, yes, yep. I, I uh, did see that. But he, he did his his silly thing again, which is doing oh. somersaults. It's his it's his move to miss, isn't it? It's his Ric Flair coming off the top rope. It's his flying nothing, like the the middle rope flipping leg drop. Yeah. Did, did he did he ever do these manoeuvres in like the FWA and early on until? Sense more sensible people got in his ear and went, "You're fucking huge. Stop doing this. You're fucking huge. Just do an outside brawl for about ten minutes. It'll work. Work a treat yeah, for you. And an abdominal stretch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, um, it, it ends up um, with a press slam like driver by Leon, and then um, Alex just like, right, you sort, you sort. Um, what's he called out? Justin Starr, and I'll get the pin on there, uh, Mister. Yeah. Tan. Yeah, yeah, Shane pins George despite neither man being legal. Yeah. Again, like this has been going on since episode one. The referees are terrible at refing tag matches. Old, old Tiger McGuigan Sr. needed to hand his uh, card in. <laughs> Hang on, this one's junior, isn't it? Oh, no, this is senior. Is it? Yeah, J- jun- junior's the um, the one who's ended up in prison recently. Mm, okay. <clears throat> anyway, uh, we, we go to... A UWA Wrestling Rampage update um, with um, Sean Mooney or Paul <laughs> Martin. I'm still reading off the cue cards at my side of the camera. All, his update is basically all the champions are committed to defending their titles on the Blackpool show in three weeks. Do, do you also notice he, he talks like he's ring announcing as well? Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> And there's also I reckon he does that in, in real life. Like he's, he's like, oh, I'll have a battered card and large chips, please, Brenda. <laughs> and there's also a UWA hotline. Oh six six zero zero two zero double oh nine. I've been trying to work out what's weird about the graphic they use to advertise that hotline. And I realise they put the number at the very top of the screen and there's a massive gap in the middle of it that's got nothing in. Why isn't the phone number directly in the middle of the screen? It should be across like the yeah. middle to bottom, shouldn't like, it? Like pulsating one of those like one of those dating chat line ads or something. Like make the most of it. You have to hunt on the screen to find the damn phone number. I would say if you probably phone that now, you'd probably get diverted to like fake taxi, wouldn't you? <laughs> Knowing if it's a live TV thing, <laughs> I remember our Jeff actually phoning them up during um, a live recording we did of, um, of a podcast. Uh, I was just, I, I, I just wondering if we should ring the uh, UWA hotline and see what happens. Maybe next episode. Maybe next episode. Um, I, I, I can't afford sixty p a minute at the moment. <laughs> well, we'll do the next one after payday. Oh yes, definitely yeah. so. Uh, so we return to um, Dan Belinka, who introduces that Phil Powers um, has got an interview in the ring. What did he say here, Kieran? Uh, don't know, because it was echoey again. Uh, I, I All I got was he called himself The Fly again, 
they cut at least one line out of the middle of it very suddenly, and he says he's going to take care of Mike Roberts, and then it immediately cuts back to Danny Crime Watch. I did put, he said, absolutely fuck all. Yeah. What was the point? No points. Absolutely no point. Unless one of these episodes, if he's calling himself the fly, he comes out to um, the fly by you two. Mm. Which or, be uh, what's the what's the Deftones song? Oh, can't remember. Can't remember. And anywho, main event time, Kieran. It's triple trouble. Triple trouble match with the uh, UWA TV title. I'm thinking of changing the House of Flies. That's the Deftones song. Ah, there we go. Doug yes, Will- Doug Williams, Kerry Cabrero, and hot stuff. He's going to give it you tonight, Stevie Knight. <laughs> I hope he's not. <laughs> I haven't consented to this. So before before the match starts, we get a brief glimpse of the title belt, and I've got a question for you. What's the name of this promotion? Uh, isn't it the Alternate Wrestling Alliance? Correct. And what is this title? The Frontier Wrestling Alliance. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It is the UWA title, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, that belt, I'm not joking, says on it, American Wrestling Federation World Tag Team Champion. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They give it a close up on the TV. It's got an American flag on it and everything. Clearly, somebody didn't clue the camera ops in not to get too close to it, and then nobody clued in the director, who apparently was Dan Belinka, by the way, not oh. to cut to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the triple triple match for the American Wrestling Federation, uh, half of the American Wrestling Federation World Tag Team Championship. You think they should have just got like um, like most produ- uh, promotions do, and just get an intercontinental title and put a, like a sticker over it, a Global uh, Force Gold sticker on it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think um, who were I watching at weekend Pro Wrestling Eve? They had, they had like an hour stream on on YouTube, mm. and their tag team titles are basically two intercontinental titles. Well, this is the basic intercontinental look, isn't it? That that classic <clears throat> look, yeah. But uh, unfortunately, um, we got too close to the actual text that was on it. Now. Kieran, I want you to explain what a triple trouble match is because I don't think the referee or even the wrestlers <laughs> knew what the fucking rules were. Well, we, <laughs> all commentators. We were only told it was elimination style, like once the match had started. Yeah. Um, and then the referee decided he couldn't be bothered disqualifying anybody or counting them out. So it was a de facto hardcore match with people banging each other on the head with chairs. Yeah. It was it was a bit odd. Um, <laughs> uh, I did. Uh, Ross Gordon thinks this is the best match to ever take place on British soil, and I'm going to call up Alan Forrell and find out where this ranked on the FSM projects of the same name. <laughs> I don't think it featured. Um, they, so uh, uh, Doug Williams sprints to the ring. He attacks Stevie <laughs> Knight immediately. They wipe each other out with clotheslines, and then Kerry dives on top of both of them for the pin. And the referee takes his dog for a walk, hangs out, he's washing, and is in the middle of doing his taxes when he realises he needs to make a count. <laughs> he's so bad. I'm, oh, I get of all the things to annoy me about these shows, like the referees are right up there. Particularly, I think it's just this Tiger McGuigan fella because it is, yes. he, I think he referees every match on both of these episodes, and he's always awful. Um, uh, Kerry gets to reprise that big dive he did. 
Oh, the, the Undertaker died. Yes, except he uses the back of Stevie Knight rather than a chair. Uh, and then uh, Knight then follows up with his own. And I would say, say, though, Kieran, it looks very impressive how they actually filmed it because it was right from the back of um, Cabrero and you can just see him fly, going over the edge. It was a bit It was a bit like... Did you ever watch The Dukes of Hazard as a kid? I, I've seen it, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit like when they had the car do the big jumps in that. Like, it speeds away from the camera and goes up a ramp and then over the creek and crashes on the other side. Only on the other <laughs> side of this creek was Doug Williams. Um, uh, they they show loads of replays and none of the cameras have caught either of these two dives well at all. No. It's always like a shot of somebody on the outside and then another person falls in or like the shot they actually used on the, in the edit. It's uh, it's not like everything has seemed to take a step down since, since the Crystal Palace show. Since he moved to Blackpool. Yeah. I think once they got past Luton, they couldn't be fucked anymore. <laughs> it's life in general. If you go into Blackpool, you're, um, you just, you know, falling off a cliff. Aren't you? <laughs> Uh, one one of the things that made me howl in this match was the um, Doug Williams and Stevie Knight chair shot to Kerry's um, head, where they grabbed both ends of the chair and just bonked it on his. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, they they managed after that a whole fifteen <coughs> seconds to themselves in the ring before Cabrero gives up selling that and just interrupts. And it's like <laughs> what I wrote. Now I don't know if you'll agree with this. You don't have to. It's like when you're trying to have a shag and one party's pet cat or dog keeps trying to get in the way. <laughs> You may not wish to comment. Uh, I, I, I would say that was the uh, end of my last relationship uh, <laughs> nine years ago. What Once a cat got involved in the relationship, I knew it was fucking ended. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's it's kind of like Doug and and Stevie are trying to have a match and Kerry Cabrero just, is just, just getting get in the, the way. way. Yeah. Uh, Doug does the macho man axe handle on Stevie from the top to the floor and a TV man scurries around to reconnect a camera cable that they've unplugged. Uh, They all end up in the front row. And remember that MVC sign from a couple of episodes ago? Gets shattered over Doug's head and he's bleeding from the back of the head after that. Proper like downside of his head, isn't it? Yeah. No idea if that was planned or not. No idea if they knew if it was going to break or what it was going to do. I think Kerry just picked up something and hit Doug with it and got lucky slash unlucky. Um, uh, Stevie punishes everybody's bollocks on the railing. uh, And then he and Cabrera get back in the ring and we go to the break. No ads. No, um, all, cut, all cut out on this uh, standard play video. Mm. And I would say that when we come back from the break, this match falls off a fucking cliff. <laughs> Everything up to now, I, I, I've actually just rewatched it. <laughs> yeah. Everything up to now has been fine. But then in a match where it's elimination style, they start breaking up each other's pins. Why? I know it's it's so frustrating, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Uh, so like Kerry knocks uh, locks uh, Stevie Knight in the cattle mutilation, which Ross Corden just calls a great lock. Uh, but Doug makes the save by kicking um, Kerry in the bollocks, uh, and then hits Knight with um, I think it's sort of like an aborted falcon arrow, some kind of twisting suplex uh, to apparently eliminate him. 
But he, but the ref notices like the um, Knight's got his hand, hand, hand on the ropes. Yeah, don't no idea why they did that, given the result. Um, surely, surely as well, it aren't like triple threat matches, like no disqualification or yeah. Di- yeah, mostly, usually, I don't know. I mean, it's been no disqualification so far with, like, you know, NBC advertising and chairs being banged over people's heads. <laughs> and um, bold shots, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, the the like the like very next thing that happens <laughs> is Stevie Knight hits a German suplex on Doug Williams and Cabrera breaks it up by punching Williams in the dick. <laughs> there's, a, there's a fucking... You lose count of how many dick shots... Yeah, it's very 1999. You know, think of what's going on on Raw and on Nitro at this point. Like, this is, uh, yeah, the old punch to the belly button from behind. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so it's not out of keeping with what is going on. And like as I'd say, the first, it's quite long. So let's call it the first third of this is actually not bad at all. Mm. And And then they sort of run out of pre-planned stuff and it's like three guys are trying to call a triple threat match in the ring. I, I will say it's not one of those triple threat matches, you know, one takes a kip on the outside and two go at it. They're, both, they're all in there generally all the time. Yeah, but they're in there in a ring the size of a double bed. So in there's no room in for each other's th- way most of the exactly. time. Exactly. There's no room for three wrestlers and a referee to be in that ring at the same time. Um, they they make sure everybody takes an unprotected chair shot to the head. Uh, they make a mess of breaking up pins. It's like, have you how much like WWF No Mercy did you play or anything like that? Um, I didn't play any of that. I'm more. I played the one where Ahmed Johnson did all these promos and what have you. <laughs> I think uh, is that Warzone. Not- I think. I think that's Warzone. Warzone yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that that's still fair enough. Like the the triple threat matches in those kind of games are are the same. Like they're quite difficult to start with, and you're you finally like battered one of the computer wrestlers down enough to make a pin, and then the other one will just burp up from the power bomb you gave them and hit you on the back of the head to break your pin, and then yeah. you've got to do it all over again. And it's like that. It's it's a video game match in a bad way. I'll t- tell you what was um, a video game move. What was this Doug Williams doing a springboard moonsault? He used to do those. Yeah, fucking hell. I couldn't imagine that with Doug's knees nowadays. It's just like... <laughs> he doesn't do them anymore. Yeah, <laughs> this is a great knees. He, uh, uh, he actually slips doing it, but gets over anyway, um, uh, almost kicking Stevie Knight in the head as he comes down because there's no room in the ring. Uh, yeah. Just as Ross Gordon calls this action as good as I've ever seen it. And much better than the um, Alex Shane uh, tag match. Uh, well, got, yeah, fine. the greatest thing um, in British wrestling since uh, Big Daddy and A-Stacks. Yeah. Uh, what else happens in this? Uh, Williams gets back dropped off the two-foot high stage, nearly smacking his head on the edge of it on the way down. Uh, they do more stuff with a chair. Um, oh yeah, my. I'm, have you got anything else, or we should get to the finish of this nonsense? <laughs> um, so we had um, the German back suplex to carry by Doug one two three. Yes, on, Doug, on a chair, which is the point of that. Chair, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then uh, the last two, Doug and Stevie. Then you have um, Doug with the um, the Falcon Arrow variation to Stevie to get the win. Yeah, and to get I, the, it was, uh, it was quite odd in that like. 
I I naturally expected because of the nature of modern 50-50 booking and because like Knight had got his hand on the ropes earlier to to break a pin um or, or to cause the restart rather like and Doug pins Cabrero and then you would think oh that means like Doug's going to lose to Steven yeah. Thing, yeah yeah what was it 20 seconds after Cabrero's eliminated they finished this off yeah. I think they just wanted to go home. I think they were, and, and I don't mean go home as in finish the match. I think they just walked to their cars and fucking left after this. <laughs> it like was great, like great muter after he faced Nakamura. Is like, ah, oh, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. This was formless and storyless. Like people were practically no shelling chair shots to the head and guardrails to the bollocks. Um, Doug treated this title with all the reverence it deserved by dragging it up the ramp and not celebrating. Um, yeah, I think I think they knew it was bad. And then to cap it all off, here comes Steve Linsky. Well, what I will say, Kieran, I did put mm. on my notes. I thought probably same as yourself, like three quarters of it was good. But for me, like the whole rules just made it a bit of a, a mess. Mm. It was too. It was too long. too long. The rules. The rules weren't made clear to anybody, apparently, and um, the ring is too small. Yeah. To even be called a wrestling ring, let alone wrestling it. <laughs> and yeah, like you say, fake American uh, Steve Linsky. Yeah, uh, with the fake American tag belt. A new contract. Yes, uh, the goat blowing sign makes a welcome return. Uh, and you can see Paul Martin, the ring announcer, very clearly gesturing to the crowd to boo Steve Linsky. Because um, he probably like it. Was he on the last show? I don't think he was, was he? Linsky? Uh, I'll have to go back through my notes. I can't be fucked. Um, <laughs> uh, he, I could actually hear this promo, though. If they didn't know who he was, like, that's probably... Oh, the, yeah. But, but, but the previous show is from this show. The previous episode is from this show. It was taped earlier in the night. Yeah. So the people in the building should have seen Steve Linsky before. The the sugar must have worn off from the kids. <laughs> uh, so I could actually hear his promo. He says he kept his word and he didn't come to the ring and interfere. This is part of a story, by the way, where Doug told him not to come out for this match. Um, he says he's got a new contract for Williams uh, that says it's got everything he's asked for, everything he asked for in it. Uh, and he gives it to Doug and offers his, his uh, back to sign it on. Uh, but Williams hits him with the best move of the whole match, which is a really nice drop kick. Um, sends him flying up the aisle. To his credit, Linsky takes a whopper bump for this. It was a great bump. Yeah, That's he shoots out of he shoots out of the ring, out of the range of the wide camera, and then the handheld picks him up on the floor as he rolls to the bottom of the ramp. And I, um, I, I, I would say I'd never seen him move so fast since he um, drove that <laughs> ring away from uh, Blackburn. It's the fastest Steve Linsky has ever moved without being powered by a car motor, for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Doug Glenn grabs the mic and says there's going to be no contracts, no commitments, no authority. It's going to be anarchy in the UWA. And in another company with more charismatic people, that would have been a great face turn. <laughs> But unfortunately, it's the UWA. Yes. Uh, Williams then briefly uh, celebrates with his Intercontinental American Tag Team title. Uh, and we go back to Dan the Man for the wrap-up, and that's the lot. Yeah. Um, isn't terrible. It? <laughs> <laughs> One word, terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is it shit or is it fucking shit, you know? Um, the best match was the squash match, and that went too long. Yes. 
as we have Jodie Flash and George Castano, not Timmy Time this time, <laughs> uh, versus Too Far Gone, the team of Paul Terrell and Steve Morocco. Mm-hmm. So Bridlington insists on calling Castano Jorge, despite his entrance graphic and tights, and tights both saying George. George. Yeah. The crowd are silent. There are, if you will permit me, no claps for these graps. It's like watching snooker. They're so quiet. <laughs> yeah, there's, there is points during this show where it's just like silence. Absolute death. Yep, yep. The highlight of this match uh, is the death squad arriving on a very loud motor trike uh, after Jody completely fucks a springboard hurricane runner. <laughs> I thought it was like, uh, well, who, who's, who's the famous like cookery ones who drive by? It's hairy bikers or the uh, <laughs> two fat ladies. <laughs> two fat wrestlers arrive on a motor track. Yeah, I noticed the two blokes on the thing and the tiny girls had to walk in their heels down to the ring. Um, this is obviously where Triple H got the idea for that WrestleMania entrance with him and Steph on those big motor trikes. <laughs> Uh, uh, what happens in this? Uh, too far gone hit a double team, but Brian Nobed pulls either far or gone off the pin. Uh, and then this was the point where I realized I could abbreviate the death squad to TDS. And I thought, yeah, TDS is about right. Um, they get in the ring and I beat up both teams and the ref. The referee gets body slammed over the top rope twice. <laughs> oh, it always bloody Tiger McGuigan as well. Yes. But the I funny think, thing... He gets, he gets up straight away. I was going to say. So, I, <laughs> um, so uh, Mike Reasonable uh, power bombs uh, the referee, and I timed it. A whopping 34 seconds of TV time passes before he's back on his feet and giving the death squad shit over the ropes. It was like Road Warrior Hart when he just... I think he got, like, power bombed and he just, mm-hmm. like... <laughs> His thing was no selling pile drivers. Yeah, it's like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, Jody gets press slammed to the floor. Um, what else happens? Uh, Duke cuts a promo. He's Sheffield's answer to the great Carly. He wants some competition. Uh, apparently, they hit the ring because the match was boring and they don't have enough opponents. But if they'd let one of these teams win the match, they'd have opponents. And yeah. then he buries them by calling them all small. What? I don't know. I think he just goes out and does whatever he wants. I think he's he might actually be the booker. Or oh, Iron Duke Lynch. Yeah, because he's like, this is like proper like Triple H booking behavior. It's like he, he goes out and buries his own would-be opponents, go, does whatever he wants, has the quote-unquote cool motorbike. And, um, and, he, and he has the lovely lady on his arm. Yeah. He's got to have some power. Maybe that or he drives the ring van or something. Like He's got to have some power in this company, given the treatment the death squads get. Um, uh, I guess this was a no contest. Uh, Dan Belinka then tries to explain it and fails. Um, No idea. Bad again and without a finish. Well, well, it leads to a story later in the show where um, we'll get into that. Mm. Anyhow. Match number two is another newcomer, Bully Boy Briggs. This is Paul Sloan. Fuck me. This Bully is... Boy Briggs is, for, is another creator wrestler. 
like he's got a, he's got a mullet he's got a singlet with hearts on it he's got a leather <laughs> jacket um this Paul Sloan at least he looks better this week than he has in previous weeks in terms of his look so he's not got as much like baby oil slash sex lube on him <laughs> and he's now wearing long black tights and black wrist supports instead of the like the black and white stripe stuff he'd been wearing he's he's the one who i said looked like the human egg wasn't yes. It? yes yes um his entrance gear though appears to be two tea towels tied together around his neck and uh one of the commentators <laughs> asks if he's wearing an apron um this match goes 56 seconds. There's nothing much to it, is there? I think what I've just wrote like one line, well, two lines, not yeah. much to this. As yeah. um, he had a shoulder tackle, which is like the most dangerous move in uh 1999 British wrestling. Yeah, backdrop, two clotheslines, hip toss, corner whip, flying shoulder block. That's it. All Briggs gets in is a kick and a headlock. I think someone thinks Paul. Sloan is Goldberg because he's bald and does something that looks like a spear. And to that, can I just say, <laughs> <laughs> and then after the replay, they cut back to the ring where Sloan makes an absolute fucking pig's ear of throwing Briggs over the top rope. And then, and then he cuts um, an interview on like uh, Paul Martin's oh, mic. <laughs> God. Yeah. So Martin runs for firstly, Bridlington gets in this line. So Morgan, the heel color guy, is complaining about the shoulder block, saying that can't be legal. That should, that's not proper wrestling, blah, 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 blah. And Bridlington comes back with, if you look up in the wrestling book, that is a legitimate wrestling move. What is the wrestling book? Uh, uh, anyway, it, it, Paul... it, was a book, it was a book by Simon Garfield. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> Yes, it was. Um, Paul Martin runs over to interview Sloan, uh, and I'm still baffled as to why the ring announcer is now the interviewer. It's like um, AEW. Everybody's got a, like a, an on-camera job and a backstage job. Um, you can't hear Sloan still. Did, 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 I'm sure they had a backstage interviewer in like the first couple of episodes. Yeah, Jamila. Jamila, yeah. Yeah, and she's now disappeared. You Notice we've not seen Jamila. We've not seen Mick McManus. no. No, we've not seen Dino Scarlo. We've not. No, he's, no, still, he's, he's people... still um banned from the scrapyard, isn't he? Yeah. Um he's probably entertaining Dick Strawbridge or Robert Llewellyn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, Dick Strawbridge is a bit like butcher off of AEW, isn't he? Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? That name as well would have fitted well in, in UWA, wouldn't it? Dick Strawbridge against it probably would. Iron Duke Lynch. <laughs> Dirty Dick Strawbridge. <laughs> um, uh, so the sound is still terrible. You can't hear Sloan. Uh, Bridlington claims it's because the crowd are so loud. I think it's more that they forgot to run a cable from the sound desk to the TV equipment. Yeah, and you could. Hear, I think you could hear Paul Sloan's music play as well. So it, that was like blaring. Oh, yeah. So, because you can't hear it, Bridlington cuts his promo for him, uh, saying he's wishing Phil Powers the best of luck for later. And then, back to Dan Belinka as he says those four dreaded, five dreaded words. Up next, Big Papa T. Yay! Anyhow, we do have a, a Steve Linsky promo. Where you do have um, from the kids of Blackpool, chance of you fat bastard. Mm -hmm. uh, 
The funny Steve. thing is, he's much thinner here than he would be in years to come. Yeah, yeah. Um, has more air and slipper uh, mm. as well. Uh, Linsky has a bone to pick with Danny Royal, British beef. Um, he's he's sort of like um, uh, so. Linsky has a monster to take Danny on for his number one contendership to um, Doug's title. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's it. He essentially just goads Royal into putting his title shot on the line against this mystery monster next week. I'm not going to say. I think I know who it is. Big Papa T. No. <laughs> <laughs> or I, I am putting my money on. If it's like, what year is it? 1999. 1999. It's got to be someone like bloody Drew McDonald, on it? <laughs> <laughs> we will see. <clears throat> Anyhow, mm. match number three. Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior, as we, as we have. Oh, yeah, from God. Halloween Havoc '98, not from WrestleMania. <laughs> well, we we have a newcomer to um, UWA Wrestling Rampage, straight from the local BNP group. Yes, it's, it's the Stomper. Yes, yeah, he's a bit, he's a bit national front, isn't he? Oh, I in yeah. full braces and like skinhead and yeah, Doc Martins rolled up jeans. It's not good. Oh, that that's too um like uh, Confederate slash Nazi. Uh, <laughs> what's Didn't what we have, they wasn't there one on the Crystal Palace tapings as well? Wasn't there another dodgy one? There might have been, you know. Can't so remember. We've had Barrett, we've had the Stomper, and we've had. Probably with Mad Dog McPhee. He's just, he's just an insult. <laughs> you think he votes UKIP? <laughs> he votes UKIP. Anyhow, um, the Stomper's opponent... I is... kip when he's in the ring. He puts me to sleep. <laughs> anyway, the uh, Stomper's opponent is the one and only, the fan favourite all of a sudden since he's come to Blackpool because he does a great dance. It's the one and only, Big Papa T. Yeah, the taxi driver's favourite torturer, Big Papa T. This match was very clearly taped before last week's main event because the MVC sign is still intact at ringside. Yeah. Um, much like Briggs and uh, Road Warrior Pork, which is still making me laugh, Stomper looks like one of the jobbers from the ECW video games. Uh, yet another creator wrestler. Um, Rebecca, uh, remember Big Papa T has a manager of sorts. Uh, yeah. She yells over the mic about everybody should respect Big Papa T. Um, I did notice that as soon as T's music stops, the crowd goes completely silent again. They, they love him, though. You, can, you can't deny uh, Yes, that. when he's dancing badly, but, like, big you Papa get nothing T, big during Papa the match. T, big Papa T Swifty as uh, one of the signs. Sure, that. I'm sure that was really cool in 1999, whatever that means. Swifty. Uh, yeah, he, he doesn't do anything swiftly. Um, he no sells a weak punch and a headbutt and hits a shoulder block. He hits the worst boss man slam of all time, following by a leg drop that would be embarrassing if a six-year-old tried it, and then gets the submission with a Boston Crab. This match went one minute and twenty-one seconds, and I'm not kidding. Nothing happened for the first forty-six seconds of that. <laughs> Mate, I don't know what to say. This is some of the worst <laughs> wrestling television I've ever seen in my life. Every week, we've lost. Do you remember when we would get like one good match a week? We'd get like Grand Naniwa versus Kerry Cabrero or Tiger Mask versus Naniwa or like 
fucking Chris Daniels. Somebody has managed to round up fucking 15 to 20 of the worst wrestlers that have ever lived and put them all on the same TV show. <laughs> it's just, how do you keep finding these people? I will say this match was at least better, although less entertaining than Papa T versus Tom Monroe from the last uh, show we did on this. That oh, is, that's the one that went wrong, weren't it? Fucking all-time stinker. I, th- I think um, Youngie say it was like Power Slam's worst match of the year for that year. Yeah, in a year where they didn't really cover British wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, but I cannot believe that people thought this was acceptable to put on television. And like, Papa, I've, Papa I've seen things like <laughs> WCW through various eras, you know, like when it got bad in 1993, when it got bad, when Hogan brought his mates in, when it was bad towards the end, as you've been torturing poor Wilson with, I've seen like Russo era TNA. I've seen dreadful WWE stuff. I've seen the dregs of new Japan. I'm not sure. I've seen fucking transatlantic wrestling challenge. I'm not sure any of it is, has been as bad as the last three episodes of UWA rampage. Yeah. It's, um, you know what? We've got another 10 episodes of this. <laughs> no, 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 no. We've got another 12 episodes of this. 12 Let's episodes. go up to episode 21. Thankfully. Do you know what? I don't, I'm going to stop looking for ep- the missing episode 18. It can stay missing. I hope it's locked in a box at the bottom of the fucking sea. <laughs> it's, I don't want to see you it. You know what? That, that's probably got a triple threat match on it. Grand and Ewa versus <laughs> Chris Daniels. <laughs> we'll never know about it, mate. And for our finale, a lost match from the Crystal Palace tapings that we thought would never be shown. <laughs> yeah. God. I did say about Big Papa T, he's an unstoppable force. <laughs> he's, he's an unstoppable something. Oh, fucking hell. He, get, he gets out the ring and does all his dancing and the kids are just going, they, they love him. I absolutely love him. I want a Big Papa T t-shirt. <laughs> Well, I sent you that article as well. Yeah, I haven't got around. I've only skimmed it, but like it seemed to corroborate like Alan the taxi driver's stories. And I don't know if it's that means it's actually true or somebody just saw that episode of Rampage and just rewrote it into an article. Or or, or Alan the taxi driver is now a journalist uh, (laughs) for a local London newspaper. And yeah, you know, he's still wrestling training, isn't it? I think given the age of Alan the Taxi Driver and the fact that this was 23 years ago, I think Alan the Taxi Driver is either in a box in the ground or an old people's home. <laughs> I remember the days of Big Papa T and me taxi. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, God. Yeah. Don't you mean Big Daddy? No, no, no. Big Papa T, I'm telling you, he was the best thing ever. <laughs> During the Gambian conflict. <laughs> <laughs> oh... <laughs> Oh god! I at least we have something to talk. About. At least he's not boring, I suppose. Uh, you know what? He's every every time because uh, I was so disappointed on episode eight, Kieran, when Big Papa T wasn't on it, and then <laughs> when episode nine come on, I was like, and when Dan Belinka said, "Oh, we go, we go, coming up next, it's Big Papa T," I was like, "Fucking get in there!" You've I- fallen into the trap. They've got you liking Big Papa T. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I fell in the trap of like, well. Will Wilson always said he was he was my favourite when he was on there and yeah he's he, he's definitely one of the characters I'm taking out of this show. He's 
unique for sure and very very odd <laughs> there i can very much safely say i've never seen a wrestler like big papa t <laughs> i never want to again. <laughs> no not really <laughs> only 12 more possible appearances <clears throat> well one of his appearances could come soon who knows as we go into the next segment which is Jody Fleisch on a mic. Well, says, before wow. that, we get another Wrestling Rampage update. And I realise they're talking about a tour. They keep mentioning the word tour. Five dates in the same building is not a tour. <laughs> they're just pl- running the ice arena on back-to-back Sundays for a month. And again, all he really says is all the titles will be defended on the first show, but we can't tell you who will be in the matches yet because we don't necessarily know who the champions will be. Anyway, Jody flies for the mic. Yes, he says he has another tag team partner to take on the death squad. Um, but he doesn't mention who it is. No, he says it's big. He says it's someone who's bigger than George Castano, which isn't hard. Um, he's constant. <laughs> He's constantly booed. <laughs> and they bleep him saying ass or try to and make an ass of it. And then we cut immediately to the Death Squad's rebuttal, which is them sort of feeling up the tiny girls. Where well, they well, basically they leaned on a bin, aren't they? Yeah. They, they, they basically laugh off the challenge but say they'll take the match. And Duke finishes with the utterly bizarre watch us, we'll be there. Here we go. He's not a good promo man, I'm telling you. Well, I wonder who the tag team partner could be. It's like that. And that's oh, God. <laughs> if it's Jordy Fleisch and Papa T, ah. Oh. Never has there been a bigger gulf in talent between two tag team partners. Well, it could happen. Could happen. Fucking hell. It's like TD Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, and Kenny Omega. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what would they be called? Omega. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, I think we're delaying the inevitable here, Kieran. As we, uh, <laughs> we are, yeah. We get to our main event, uh, which is for the UWA TV title. It's the ever popular Phil the Powers Powers <laughs> versus. Iron the Iron, Mike Roberts. <laughs> Do the ironing, Mike Roberts. Yeah. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> uh, one of my first notes is bugger me, it's foggy in that ring. It is, yeah. This, I think this is the point of UWA Wrestling Rampage where I've thought, fuck me, I think we're, we're in the we're deep waters of shit. <laughs> This match, yes. After all the, do you think was it this match? Do you think if you'd seen this match on its own, you'd think the same thing, or is it the cumulative effect of like dud after dud after dud for the past three episodes? I think it was this one. I'm thinking, oh god, this is definitely where the tide has fully turned. Now, this was dreadful. Maybe the worst main event so far, and I know we've had some main events which have been shocking, Kieran. But this, this is crap. 
I'm clicking back for worse than Danny Boyle, Danny Royal versus Blondie Barrett, which I believe you gave minus five stars. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think it's equal to that. I really, hey, I want mine Danny Boyle versus fucking Blondie Barrett. <laughs> Danny Royal. Oh, uh, okay. What did you think of this match? Anyway, anyway. Well, I noticed Phil Powers has got new music. He's not coming out to the power anymore. Um, no, no, I've not seen any of the champions. He's got a title belt rather than his daft cup that he had. I've not seen any of the champions wear their belts yet. And Phil just dumps his highly prestigious title on the floor next to the ring before getting in. Um, he, for some reason, he keeps doing heel stuff. Like he kicks the middle rope into Roberts's balls. Um, he, he hits a low blow right in front of the ref later on. Yeah. Um, and the commentators are at a loss to try to cover for it. Um, he does your favorite thing, uh, which is slapping the mat to get the crowd involved while in a nerve hold. Yeah, I did. Put it's that. like he's doing it especially for us, like combining our two least favorite things. Yeah, I did put that. Sidewalk slam gets a two for Mike. Uh, chin lock again. This match is fucking boring. And then, but, like you said, he just uh, like starts. They do keep going back to rest holds. I know. Did you notice? Phil Powers hits loads of drop kicks in this match. Yeah. He hits all of them with one foot. At no point, it doesn't matter if it's off the top rope or running or standing, he doesn't once hit a two footed drop kick. It's really bizarre. Well, one thing um, I, I forgot to mention there is actually adverts during this match. Oh, I didn't keep track of what they were. Well, here you go. Here's a list for you, um, all the listeners who keep, uh, <laughs> keep a score on these. So we have an advert for loot. Which has a fella who looked the spit of Mark Lamar. I thought he looked <coughs> like um, uh, I thought he looked like Mark Heap, hmm. uh, who played who was Brian in Spaced. Is probably his best yes. known role. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have Mercron credits. That's not who I'm thinking of, but I can't think who I am thinking of, and now I'm really annoyed. It's not Mark Heap. Damn it! I've got him mixed up with somebody else. Keep going. I'll try and remember who the hell it is. So, Mercron Credit Services, Mystical Tarot, who can look into Mystica, their... Crystal- tarot by Mystico? What, the luchador? <laughs> Mystical Tarot, played by Caristico. And yeah, yeah, yeah. This week, uh, I will botch another move. Uh, um, Euro Debt. So, we've had Credit Services and Euro Debt, and if you want to lose <laughs> more money, buy the sport in life. And also, an advert for Britain's Strongest Man. Which mustn't have been on either. Well, I don't think. Well, or BBC. I don't think you were on BBC One, which was the world's strongest man's home. Yeah. But a glimpse of Northern Ireland's own Glenn Ross, who always used to shout, "Oh, the daddy!" <laughs> I've just realised it's Kevin Eldon I'm thinking of, not Mark Heap, who's uh, who's the same but different, I guess, in my well, mind. That's, that's your advert rundown. So yeah. let's get to the uh, finish of this absolute snooze fest. Yeah, uh, Powers tries to slam Roberts but collapses under the weight. There is a blatant cut to hide to try to hide the fact that he failed to kick out before three. He did the old Jeff Jarrett shoulder. <laughs> so it's like two and seven eights, and he just happens to. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Powers hits a backdrop, a one-footed drop kick, a slam, and then almost shot uh, overshoots a top rope crossbody for the pin. I'll read you my next note, which is all in caps with three exclamation marks. 14 fucking minutes. This shit went 14 minutes. 
And that's not including the ad break. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I understand why you thought this was absolutely terrible. I thought it was boring for sure. Boring. Um, the crowd were not interested with, at all, were they? No, no. It, I mean, it, Phil Powers, he's like a, a champion in this. You think, oh, the crowd should be behind mm. him. It's a goodie. But obviously, he's doing low blows. And I think he's more suited to a southern audience. The northerners couldn't give two fucks about this smiley baby face from, from down south. I have noticed that everybody in this promotion is either very northern or from Essex. There is nobody from anywhere else in the country. No. Um, so the plate on the front of his title belt is broken already. I noticed it, it's on the wonk. Uh, and that's it, I think. Uh, next week, apparently, we're going to solve two mysteries and introduce two more new wrestlers. More new wrestlers. Fucking get in. Yeah, I meant to count up and see like how many individual wrestlers we've seen on this show already. It's a lot, given we're only nine episodes in. It's gone up since Blackpool. Yeah, definitely. I think definitely. it's probably the ones who were supposed to do the Scrapyard Challenge, but couldn't do because that's been banned. I know that at least one of the guys from the Scrapyard does have an actual wrestling match on one of the shows coming up, uh, but I don't know which show it is. Um, and I'm, I'm really worried for this product because, like, everything... <laughs> Everything from this Blackpool taping has been bad. And they are going to be running that same building for five shows, which means we're going to get footage from those shows. Yeah. I don't think this is going to get much better. <laughs> Hopefully, like, somebody backstage has taken the reins, has gone and gone, has had some self-awareness and gone, this is shit. We need to... We need to pick it up and, you know, put some actual wrestling on television and have some coherent storylines because this is terrible. Like, I miss Crystal Palace. I miss Jamila and Mick McManus. I miss Chris Daniels and Gren Naniwa and the Scrapyard and Dino Scarlo. Remember how much fun those first four episodes were? Yes. This Blackpool stuff feels like a different company entirely. It's it's so weird. Like, as the, like the ring van like past Milton Keynes, like it must have gone through a portal or something. <laughs> it took that wrong turning you took, Kieran. Yeah, which takes like three stars off every wrestling match um, and shrinks the ring by four feet in each direction. Like, I know I said it last time, but can you imagine having bought a ticket for this taping? You, you'd be I'll put off wrestling for life. Like, you got Big Papa T in two of the worst matches that have ever been put on television. That terrible Danny Royal versus Blondie Barrett match. Death Squad's pretend titles. That rubbish three-way. Squashes. Whatever the fuck we're going to get next week. And I will say it again. 14 fucking minutes of Phil Powers versus Aaron with a, with a big capital R in the middle of it. Mike Roberts. What has happened... Are we actually committed to doing the, the rest of this run? <laughs> do we have to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Got to do. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hope Alan Fisher comes back. <laughs> <laughs> For a grudge match with Big Papa T. Uh, you owe me taxi fare. You got out the yeah. room, <laughs> Oh, my you word. Me, told me to turn off LBC. Uh, <laughs> Oh. <coughs> Which oh, was worse, God. this or episode eight? <laughs> um, 
Oh, God. I would say this by mm. a man. Yeah, the, the last one had the Jody absolutely squad. Absolutely nothing on this episode is good. No, the other one at least had the Mike Roberts versus Jody Flash squash, which was and three, quite and three quarters of the triple trouble. Uh, I would say one third of the triple trouble. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, yeah. <coughs> oh, this is hard work. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, so next time, what we're going to yeah. do? It's episode 10 and episode 11. Mm-hmm. I wonder what... You know what? There is, is there any storylines? I don't think there is. They've run um, out. Well, there's, there's maybe Stevie and Doug again. You've got to there's, go. So there, uh, there's Steve, Steve Linsky is uh, bringing in his monster to take the title shot off Danny Royal so he can get close enough to Doug Williams to take his revenge on him for leaving him. Yes. Um. Jody and his mystery partner. Jody and his mystery partner. And there's the uh, Death Squad open challenge, but there's I don't think there's anything else you would call a storyline. No. <sighs> Anywho, mm. uh, I, think, I, think, I, think, I think we're all done with that. Kieran. Mm. Plugs, mate. All righty. Uh, my weekly podcast is Must See Matches, which I do with Mark Buckledy. Uh We talk about the top 100-ish matches fans think other fa- fans should see as a result of uh, like a crowdsourcing project uh, that Mark did on Twitter last year. Uh, recent guests include uh, WH Park, Alan Forel, Sarah Parkin, Matty Edwards from Grapple, Felix Kohlenberg from WXW, Strigger from Cage Match, Garrett Kidney from You Gotta Be Kidding Me, Dave Ryan from Days of Thunder, and in fact, all the way back, both guys from Days of Thunder. Uh, I spent some of the day lining up some of the next batch of guests and I'm I'm not going to give anything away, but I'm very excited about who we've got coming on and the matches we're going to be talking about. Is it Big Papa T? Oh, if I could get him, I would. Um, <laughs> we do have an episode lined up for Mr. Ogden, but it's a match that got so many nominations that by my maths, the earliest we're going to get to it is October. <laughs> oh, um, yes. This week's episode, which dropped on Monday, was uh, Shingo Takagi versus Will Ospreay from the 2019 Best of the Super Junior Final. And then coming up next Monday, uh, Eamon Bell is back on the show to talk the match most people will just know as the Dragon Gate Six Man, which is Genki Horiguchi, Ryo Saito, and Dragon Kid versus Shima Naruki Toya, Masato Ushino from Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor on March the 31st, 2006. We've recorded that. I'm editing it tomorrow. That was a blast to talk about. Um, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and loads more. If you go to linktr.ee slash matches and you can find all the ways to subscribe. We are at matches on Twitter, Instagram, and Mastodon, although only Twitter's particularly active because I'm old and don't understand Instagram, and Mastodon seems like a bit of a mess still, and it's only really a lifeboat in case a petulant man-baby sinks Twitter. Uh, oh, and you can follow me on Twitter. I am at Kieran Edits, where uh, I mostly complain about the camera work on Dynamite. I've not heard as good a run through, run through of plugs. Uh, you like Excalibur. <laughs> <laughs> the secret is write them down. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I will. I will say I've listened to the Shingo and Osprey um, episode um, this past week, and very good on the bus. Yes. Perfect. Um, follow us at GCP Podcast One. Uh, myself, Oggy, uh, Oggy Part Three on Twitter. 
Uh, coming up, uh, myself and Wilson are starting our journey of TNA 2005 pay-per-views mm-hmm. um, with, um, I think, the first one's Final Resolution, which has got Jeff Jarrett versus Monty Brown ah. uh, for the TNA world title. I wonder how that ends in TNA 2005. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and also, um, got a live review coming up as um, me, myself and uh, our Jeff go to Tidal 2.0 in Huddersfield. I wonder how that'll go. We shall find out at the end of the month. But as ever, thanks very much, Mr. Kieran. Thank you for having me. Uh, this has been GCP. Thank you and good night. <laughs>